Crowhill here. Today we review an Oktoberfest and discuss our country's strange relationship with alcohol. Hello and welcome to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill. Good evening, Pigweed. Good evening, Crowhill. What's on your mind today? Well, I'm thinking we should be more like Europe. Uh, what, you mean like not bathing all the time? <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I don't mean f free health care, monster safety net. I mean, adults should be allowed to drink. Oh, yeah, okay. So, uh... Is that, uh, is that so weird? <laughs> that doesn't seem so weird, especially since people with uh, Northern European ancestry seem to have a better relationship with alcohol anyway, so it kind of <laughs> makes sense, right? <laughs> it does. Yes. All right, then... Speaking of alcohol. Speaking of alcohol, yes. So so it is it is uh, getting close to Oktoberfest season. Right. And uh, I went and grabbed good old Mad Bishop from Ducal Brewing. Ducal Brewing is right up the road here in Baltimore. Now, the big hoo-ha in, in, in Germany, the big Oktoberfest party, is actually not in October. Is that right? Well, it starts in September. Okay. It's, so it's it weird. It leads into... Yeah, it's the end of oh, September. Oh, so it's not, it's not just like a day or a weekend. It's, it's a it's, it's season. Like a, it's like 10 days <laughs> or something. And it's it's celebrating some goofy small marriage between it, it some is, minor... Right. It's a very silly kind of... Very, very minor thing. Very However, minor thing. I think it also ties into a fall harvest yeah. and... And an excuse to go out and drink some beer. And what... Beer delivered by Fraulein's and mm -hmm. bodices with big, massive steins. What's uh, what's wrong with what's that? What's not to like? I know. Good grief. We need to go to Munich one day and give it a try. So, Mad Bishop, is they, this has been around for quite a while with Ooh. Ducal. And it's a, it's a very delightful... Isn't that uh, nice? Yeah, it's very nice. It's got a, got a good malty flavor to very it. Very nice. And uh, I like it. It's good beer. Uh, yes. If those, it's, it, it, it tastes like fall... A, a paltry... Without being pumpkin spice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Six percenter. It's, it's very nice. Right it's, it's, it's a uh, it's malty but not cloying. And it's got but just the, enough bitterness to it that, to, to counteract that. It's it's very nice. I like it. But I am... Well, I wouldn't say it's pumpkin spice, but there's a kind of, some kind of a spiciness going on. Hmm. I don't know if that's just uh, from the, the malts that they chose... Which, let me see, what does it they, say? They here? might have chosen a, uh, they might have chosen a spicy hop. Maybe it's in the hop. Yes, German style Oktoberfest, a rich, toasty malt flavor and a crisp, clean finish. Yeah. Okay, That's it doesn't tell us a whole lot, but anyway, it, it is true. all that. It is all that. So if you get a chance to try Mad Bishop, give it a go. It's uh, it's a good Oktoberfest beer. And so anyway, yeah. now that we are. Legally allowed to drink beer since uh, 1933. Well. We did a show not long ago where we talked about feminism and the, the waves, the three waves of feminism. Right. And, and, of course, they didn't consider it at the time. You know, history works. But uh, looking back, the first wave was women who, women who wanted voting rights. Yeah. Property rights. Yeah. Okay, I'm all on board with that. And also kind of led the way in the temperance movement. Although I think it might have been the other way around. I think the temperance movement 
kind of led into the voting rights thing. No, you're, you're right. Historically, yeah. yes. As a matter of fact, some of these groups, the early feminist groups, wanted to add other things on and, yeah. and, and, and formed new groups, while other groups were like, you know what? You do voting rights if you want. Yeah. We're just worried about the booze. Right. And other groups did that, plus, you know, they kept taking on different causes Right, probably probably watered themselves down and went out of existence. But there were some that you know the anti saloon league yeah. that said, "All right, that's those are all worthy, but we just focusing on the boost." So what I'm thinking, this leads up to prohibition. Right, 1920. Right, yeah. 1919. Uh, 1919, but took effect in 1920. So I'm thinking, this is not. There are local laws. There are still local places. There's still dry counties. Yeah. Anybody can pass a law not to have booze. An amendment is the whole other thing. Yeah. That's why there are so few of them. Yeah. It's so. I'm, I'm thinking, what? How in the world did you get enough momentum to to pass an amendment for something that everybody loves? The, and that the nobody followed the rule after it was uh, implemented. There are very <laughs> no. few people. You're right. Yeah. So where, where did this come from? So let's just yeah. let's, let's let's back this up. This so this is. <clears throat> So this is what we're talking about. Nineteen twenty, this movement starts a hundred years before. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes. So, so I think the impetus behind this was you have to you have to picture a couple of different transitions in society. One transition was from a mostly agrarian society to an industrial society. Okay. Okay. So, like if if you're if you've had a couple of beers and you're walking behind a plow, who cares, right? It's it's really not. It's really not a big deal. Uh, if you've had a couple of beers and you're working in a factory, it, yeah. it might be a, a more important deal, right? So that's that's one part of it. Another part of it is what what are you going to drink anyway? Right? I know. Like you know, if you're in right. colonial America, so first of all, you're, you're already suspicious of water. Yeah, which is you can't know. drink water. You can't drink milk. There's no soda. There's no you know. Yeah, is there pasteurization? How long is the juice going to last? Any expensive exactly. juice in the middle of the city? Uh, yeah, so mildly fermented uh, drinks were just kind of part of life because that was the safest thing to drink, okay? So that's so the, the transition to having safer alternatives to cider, beer, mead, whatever, was, was another part of the transition. But I think another big part of it was the industrial, uh, industrial use of fermentation. Crowhill misspeaks here. He means distillation, not fermentation. Fermentation was apparently figured out by the by the Arabs, believe it or not, by the by the Muslims in like the eight eight hundreds. Um, but it didn't catch on in Europe until like the eleventh or twelfth century or something like that. But the the industrial production right, of alcohol. But, but, so, so up until the time you're talking about. You've got local taverns making their local. Yeah, brews they got beer, that wine, cider, that sort of thing. But they're not they're not serving whiskey that much. They're, it's not until you get the industrial production of rum and gin and everything, whiskey and everything else, that all of a sudden now you've got cheap access to really strong stuff. It's everywhere and it's cheap. Right, right. So I think all those things taken together, the fact that that uh, you're you're transitioning from from a rural, you know, agricultural economy to uh, the city, and you've got cheap liquor on hand, and working in a factory is 
who after you work in a factory, <laughs> in a, fa- a factory that already has no safety laws, yeah, exactly. and no, sa- and no safety precautions, and there's no mesh keeping your hand out of the machinery. Exactly right. So so after you've worked all day in a factory, you probably do want to drink, you know? right? Right, and if it's yeah. cheap, but it, but if you're also drinking a little bit before work, and then definitely drinking at lunch. This is not a good. This is not the kind of workforce that America needs. Right. And also, there was a, there was also well, well, we'll get to that later though. I'm talking about the at the the, the influx of immigrants in the early right 20th century. Yeah. But we're still talking about the 1830. How about this in the 1830s? Are you ready? Yeah. The earliest temperance reformers were concerned with the overindulgence of American drinkers and encouraged moderation. By 1930, the average American older than 15 consumed at least seven gallons of alcohol a year. And, I, and, I, and when I hear alcohol, I was thinking beer, and I'm going, oh, seven gallons? That's not much. Right, yeah. <laughs> seven gallons of alcohol. That's right. So if yeah. you figure a gallon is 128 ounces, right? So it's 128 shots, seven of those. It's like 900 shots. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah that, that is a lot. So actually... Actually, the, the first temperance person was a guy named Little Turtle. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he was a, he was a uh, Native American who went to Thomas Jefferson and complained about the sale of liquor to Indians. Yes. And so Thomas Jefferson was... Up a little. Yeah, because, you know, they weren't... They weren't accustomed to drinking anything stronger than, like, Two or three percent. You know, they, they, almost every culture in the world has some sort of alcoholic beverage that right. they drink. But usually, they're very mild things. They're not, you know, forty proof or anything yeah, like that, yeah. right? So, it was it was hard on the Native Americans to get this stuff. It really messed them up. So, Little Turtle goes to Thomas Jefferson and makes his case, and Thomas Jefferson agreed with him and tried to get Congress to limit the sale of liquors to. American Indians, right. and it uh, didn't really go much of anywhere. But so it wasn't. It wasn't the women at first. At first, it was the uh, little turtle. Right, but it did become the women, ladies. All right. I mean, I'm, I was on board with you for the for most of your early desires, but this booze thing. What what's, what are you what are you what are you guys thinking? So, the idea was that it was understood that the woman is in charge of the household. Yeah. And seeing their drunk husbands being crappy fathers and crappy wage earners, right? Uh, it 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 just built up. Yeah, because because if you think about it, if you have an environment where the the man goes off to work in the factory and the woman is home running the household, right. and she's dependent on the man's income, and he's blowing that income at the saloon, you know, before he comes home, and she and the wife and the kids are going hungry and without what they need because he's blowing the money on, on liquor, you can kind of understand why they would be a little bit against this. So we just, so this, this confluence of factors led to the, what's, what's the first organization, the, or the big, the, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, was a, was a big one. Yeah. And the Anti-Saloon League, both of in Ohio. We got to talk to our friend from Ohio. Say, what was going on there? <laughs> that, that, right. that was the beginning of 
the temperance movement, and also, as far as I, as I recall, sort of laid the groundwork for lobbying. When, is, right? when was Carrie Nation? She was in Kansas, right? Carrie Nation yes. went around busting yeah, up stuff. The hatchet and, lady? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> went around yeah. busting up stuff. And I think she was in Kansas, not Ohio. And right. I, don't, I don't remember exactly when she was, but not, not one of these early people who decided that she was going to... There's a picture of her, of, of her hatchet. Yeah, and supposedly Kansas already had a law against liquor and it wasn't being followed and she was just trying to get them to follow that law. She, I'm, not, I'm not trying to defend her. She's a little bit of a nut. But... <laughs> yeah. uh, but the idea was, women, women and children were being hurt. So she, so, so she was she was in the local chapter of the Women's Christian Temperance. Oh, okay. Union. Yeah, there you go. 1880, right. 1880s. Yeah, you're right, Kansas. Right. And yeah, so she willingly went in, preached the the Lord's word, and started uh, throwing rocks at started, things. <laughs> started hacking up things and got arrested multiple times, but she, you know, got. Got some attention. Got mm -hmm. a lot of people on our side. So, so think about. I'm always curious how these people spent so much money on gin or rum or whatever it was, mm -hmm. right? Like if they're if they're going out, spending all their wages right. and so getting sloshed yeah. all the time on you're gin. Only, you're only making a dollar a day. Yeah. How, how is it that you're spending? <laughs> how much gin are you getting? Right? <laughs> and have. And let's just, yeah, let's just say you only spent half your paycheck because on 50 cents a day, you can still pay the rent. You know, maybe not buy the kid's shoes or whatever. Still, you're not drinking up all of it, which means you're getting perfectly hammered on 50 cents. I, yeah, I, I don't know the economics of this because right. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how cheap this stuff was that they were able to drink all this. I know. Yeah, you have a bunch of workers now. Okay, I'm totally in favor of um, the the wives. I'm let me say this. I'm sympathetic to the wives and children yes. who are not getting a share in the husband's income because he's wasting it on alcohol. That's okay. I get that, but I don't understand the economics of it. How were they on the pittance they were being paid? How were they drinking all this liquor? Yeah. How how cheap would it have to be? That you could still set even, I mean, nobody's drinking the entire paycheck, right? So there's still something left over on a. Is it a dollar a day? That's that's not ridiculous, right? No, no, <laughs> that's that that was kind of common wages back then. Right. Yeah. So this is, I think this is the first time that this is when people use the first term of a moral panic. Yeah. Which means you've kind of over exaggerated the problem. So yes, so, so let's just say there is more drinking than what's going on today. The only way to get some momentum behind your movement is to exaggerate the problem, right? Yeah. You look at look at look at any of the global warming people, anybody who wants anything done. The American Bird Society, yeah. all the birds are going to be dead a in 10 years. <laughs> whatever it is, no whatever your what issue it is, is yeah. you have to exaggerate. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm, I don't deny that there was some excessive drinking going on, and there's excessive drinking going now. And if somebody wanted to assemble enough statistics, they could probably form their own movement now, going, there's many drunk drivers, and there's many deaths from this. Right? You could uh, compile a very nasty uh, set of statistics to be anti-booze. But at the time was the beginning of trying to do such a thing. Mm -hmm. So in the mid-1800s, now you had things like 
there were there were like little plays. Yeah. There were they one of the very first things the, these the women's what do they call the Christian uh, Temperance Union was formed as a publisher. So the the organization is primarily a publisher. Mm-hmm. And an influencer in terms of getting this published this published information into schools and you know putting their the, the, the word out on the evils. Here how about this one here in, in, in this is we're, we're gonna get back to the mid eighteen hundred, but a federal law required scientific temperance instruction in all public schools. Okay? They were you know intentionally designed to you know, sway personal sway opinion, lessen the stress that a person could become an alcoholic after just one drink, and that most drinkers died because of alcohol. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, really you sell good? the message. Yeah. <laughs> so so what like is it? So we got it. We got one an influence. So old Courier and Ives. Yeah, I like this one. This is called the Drunkers Drunkards Progress. Uh huh. 1846. Yeah, which is sort of a play on the Pilgrims' Progress. Yes. I think. Yeah. So, okay, step so what one. Have, we have uh, nine stages here. Yeah, step one, a glass with a friend. Okay, what's wrong with that? Yeah, step two, a glass to keep the cold out. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Right. Step three, a glass too much. Oh, well, easy yeah, there, fellow. Yeah, right. Step four, drunk and riotous. Now he's starting to, sticks are coming yeah, out. Yeah, he's getting, getting, a getting a little rowdy. there. Step five, the summit attained jolly companions, a confirmed drunkard. So this right, is the so guy. He's the so waiter. Right. So it's a it's a pyramid of steps. Yeah. Step five is at the top before you really start to go. Yeah. Because at this point, this what point are those guys seems doing? Nice. That, they're, they're having fun. They're out there. They're drinking. Yeah, they're gambling yeah. and whatnot. So it's, you seem to be on the top of the world. But then step six: yeah. poverty and disease. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Where else? Step seven: forsaken by friends. <laughs> Look at that guy, lonely. He he looks pretty bad. His hat's in bad shape too. Step eight. Desperation and crime. Of course. What Des- else? Yeah. And then step nine, death by suicide. <laughs> he doesn't even die from drinking. He just uh, has his head enough. It's pretty rough. He just kills himself. Yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> now, the thing is... Oh, then now, the oh, other thing we have to note here is below this arc. This is all set up as a Oh, arc. yes. Yeah, below the arc is the poor wife and child. Yes, the uh, widowed woman. Left, left... Uh, to grieve because of her right. husband's yeah, look, crappy house, nobody's tending the land, yeah. horrible factory in the, the background. The poor kid is starving. In the now, yeah. this inevitable progress from glass one to death by suicide, I'm not sure of buying it because I've been right here at step five for pretty much my entire adult <laughs> life. <laughs> Have yet to enter poverty, disease, forsaken by friends, desperation, crime, but, or but, suicide. Okay, yes, but but the truth <laughs> of the matter is, some people do go through this kind of a series, uh, right. and, and so the but the the movement is selling that from the first drink, this is where you're going. Yeah, just so you know, there's no years ago. I heard and this idea of moderate drinking, uh, just having. Can't do it. Yeah, not, so, not going to happen. You know, you know, it's Pat, got to be total. Pat Robertson, the yeah guy. So I, I remember hearing him many years ago talking about uh, drinking, and his his standard is if you drink, you're drunk. One <laughs> one drink, you're drunk. That's it. Okay, yeah, all right, Pat. Yeah, so, so that I think that's the kind of. Um, excessive moralism that you get in some of these kinds of movements. But there's another thing that I forgot to throw into the, the, the social changes that were going on, is governments were getting a lot of money from the sale of alcohol. 
Yes, my understanding is this thing was building a lot of momentum until the Civil War. And the Civil War, and then the government was like, easy guys, we need this money to fund the war. Yeah. Right? Now when, yes. The Civil and they picked war up again on the other side. Yeah, the Civil War definitely interrupted things. When did the income tax start? Because yeah, I, was, I, think was, I thought that was World War One. Okay. Because um, I, I thought that one thing that kind of aided the temperance movement was government revenue was starting to come from the income tax rather than from taxes on alcohol. Um, well, maybe they would. I guess they would tie to World War One, right? The very, which is well, World War One was over. <laughs> which I, I, love, I love this idea. You go, you you fight in the nastiest war that that man has ever known. Come then, home as and soon as you drink. come home, they're like bars closed. <laughs> what the hell? No good. What did I fight for? Fought all these years. I can't even have a drink. <laughs> Send me back to Europe. I can't go back to Germany. <laughs> right. So. I was also also curious, like, why are women so associated with the temperance movement? Totally. Okay. So I have a few theories here. For, first of all, men drink more than women. There you that's, go. That's just generally true well, how, across Would you cultures. feel comfortable with a woman that drank more than you? Um, how hot is she? <laughs> uh, I don't know. So 57% of men, 47% of women say they've had a drink in the last 30 days. Okay, men are about two times more likely than women to binge drink. Right. Lifetime abstention from alcohol is far more likely among women. It's just like no matter how you cut it, men drink more than women. And that's that's today. Yeah. Forget about the eighteen thirties or fifties. Right. Yeah, that, that's been true for a long time, and I think I think there are biological reasons for that because um, drinking alcohol is really not good for the development of children during childbirth and other kinds of right. things. But women and being married. Drives a man to drink. Yeah. <laughs> right. So women, generally speaking, are more religious than men. Yeah, right. Okay. And women at that time, in this time, relied upon the man's income. So I think yeah. all those factors taken together um, explain or, or sort of support the idea that it would be mostly women who are interested in, in temperance. Right, and, and as we no, there were we men involved. There were men involved for sure, but but it's mostly women. But as you mentioned, that the, the, this was the beginning of women's activism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Women realizing that they have political power. Exactly. You know, they can influence laws and government. Yes. And that led to the other aspects of uh, isn't it interesting? First wave feminism. Yes, isn't yeah. it interesting that the the mostly women led temperance movement led to a amendment to the Constitution before women had the right to vote. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Yeah, because the the Eighteenth Amendment was was uh, was prohibition. The Nineteenth yeah. Amendment was women's suffrage. What do you know? So, yes. so they 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 exerted their influence over alcohol before, before they, they even got before they had genuine political power. Yeah. So they were exercising political power before they could even vote. Yeah, that's nuts. It is. It is pretty well, interesting. good for them. Yeah, right. So except now, for, I mean, good for them, except for the fact that they canceled booze. <laughs> Big Weed here. We love receiving comments from our listeners, and so if you have something to contribute, comment, disagree, we'd love to hear it. We can be reached at bigweedshow at gmail.com. Just called Pigweed, but Crow Hill will listen to it. 
Another thing that's that's kind of a, a misnomer about the temperance movement is a lot of people think that it was purely an American phenomenon. A lot of people think this I is, did. This is only, this I do is think only the, the, the Puritan American yes, tradition. Yes, only we would do such a thing. Not true. What? There, there were, there were uh, temperance and even prohibition movements around the world. Uh, apparently Tolstoy was against uh, the way the Russians were using alcohol. There was, there was actually prohibition in Canada. You know, we usually think of Americans were getting liquor from Canada yeah, during Prohibition. Yeah, that's how, yeah. That's how but, the... but there was a limited amount of Prohibition in Canada. Um, there was also Prohibition in, in the Russian Empire. You know, you don't usually think of, you think of Russians, you think of, of vodka. But from 1914 to 1925, there was Prohibition in Russia. Shut up. There was Prohibition in Iceland. There was Prohibition in well, Norway. Well, what else do you do up there? I know, exactly. Um, so the, there's there's been... Prohibition and or temperance movements. Gandhi was was in favor of, of temperance. I can see that. Um, so Sinn Féin in Ireland was mm -hmm. in favor of temperance. So there, there have been, around that time, uh, there were temperance and or prohibition movements Frederick all over Nietzsche? the world. Uh, yes, Nietzsche was against that stuff. And I think, I think it was because um, the industrial production of alcohol pouring relatively cheap, very high-octane drink mm -hmm. onto the population was Would a, this a have new... been the time of, of, of British gin, the gin craze? Yeah. Well, the gin craze was earlier. Okay. Um, the, like John Wesley, uh, founder of the Methodists, was, you know, was big in fighting against the gin craze. But, but I think you started to get this... Um, industrial production of alcohol that made alcohol widely accessible and cheap. And that was something that people weren't quite ready for. They'd, they'd been drinking beer and wine and cider and mead and, you know, relatively low alcohol stuff. And all of a sudden they're getting stuff that's 40 proof. That's just way stronger. And that, that's kind of not sudden because it had been around for a while. The, the you know, ferment uh, distillation had been around for quite a long time. But having it more prevalent and cheaper uh, was a big societal change. Uh, yeah, I just it, I, I'm still a little fascinated that that there was enough momentum to go full amendment, which is right. what sixty percent of ever of sixty percent of the state of two thirds of the state legislatures. Is that how it works? Yeah, I think two third two thirds of the of the legislatures have to. Approve it. It gets, has to get passed by Congress, and then and it has then, to go to the states. You have to get two thirds of the states. Yeah, and and is that simple majority in in, in the states to get an amendment? I don't think so. I think it has it, to be. I think it has majority. to be. I think it has to be a super majority among the states too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just seem. It just seems a little bit wacky. I, I mean, I get. I get the concern at the time. Yeah. And I don't know. I could see maybe. Banning hard liquor or something? I don't know. Just crazy. Yeah, then, exactly. then, that's actually an interesting point. Why didn't they just ban liquor and say you could have beer and wine, but you can't have liquor? Yeah. Uh, it seems like that would have been... And it it gave us... So what do you... Well, I don't want to... You know what? Let's do Prohibition another, another time. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great story in its own self because I want to jump to... I want to jump to the 1980s, if you don't okay. mind. sure. Yeah. And, I, and what I have in mind is... So the, the opening of the show was our strange relationship. Yeah. Right? So 
Yeah, so we had that funny period there. Then after, what is it, 1933? 1933, we finally got rid of So now we're back to drinking booze and all. And in 1984, we decide that 18-year-olds are no longer fit. And this was tied in with Mothers Against Drunk Driving, wasn't it? Yes. Right. Yes. And, sorry, Ron, and Ron Reagan yeah. is in charge went of along, this. Went along with it, yeah. And he says, uh, so at this point, every state is on its own. There were, there were already some 21 states. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they federalized it, yeah. essentially, right? So not really. So this is not a federal law. No. In fact, there's still not a federal they, law. They just, they just said you won't get your transportation money. You won't you, get yeah. your transportation money. Right. And, and that's, that's the way the federal government gets, they get their hands in there, and they say, we're going to start giving you some we're money. We're going to give you money you didn't ask for. Right. And then, then you gonna, get hooked. Then you get hooked on the money, yeah. and then they say, "Well, to continue it's, receiving it's the this same, money, it's the same trick it's a that scam. They, same trick that any drug dealer is going to do." And yeah, and well, the, the here's first, free crack. The, yeah, exactly. Here's some free crack. The first, first, first couple <laughs> ones are free. Yeah, exactly. Then, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So what we did was we when when we were growing up, the drinking age was eighteen. Yes. And um, and then it changed to twenty one, and that meant that like you can be an adult. You can buy a gun. You can sign up for the army. You can get into crushing debt. You can do, you can do all kinds of stuff. You can get married without anybody else's permission, but you can't have a beer. And yes, that, that's that, a little bit messed up. But let's get the history on this. First off, I, I just found this out. The law, interestingly, the law doesn't prohibit drinking per se. It merely cajoles states to outlaw purchase and public possession by people under 21. Exceptions include possession, and presumably drinking, for religious practices while in the company or while the company of parents, spouses, or guardians who are over 21, blah, 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 and some other, some so other that, legal that things, ties, which that is ties in, Yeah, that ties into my personal uh, moral dilemma. Okay. When I had... 18, 19, 20-year-old kids wanted to have parties, right? And they wanted to have beer. Okay, so now the law is that you can't sell I, beer to I, anybody yeah. under under 21. Right. But how can the law say that somebody who's an adult, who's 18, if legally an adult, how can you tell them that they can't drink? Right, because what... They might try to do is you're contributing to the delinquency of what? Of what? Not a minor. Of minors. They're not okay. minors. Okay, no, they're not. They're not. Right. So so this was a huge conflict for me because I here I have some kid who's 19 years old who comes into my house and I didn't give him a beer. He went over to the cooler <laughs> himself, picked up the beer and started drinking and a beer. And you don't and know what, what his parents' policy is right. on that? And that, I honestly don't even know what his age is, but still, yeah. am, am I now the enforcement mechanism of government and I'm supposed to tell an adult an adult who's 19 years old, no, you can't drink that beer? I, I don't I don't really understand that. So so I never really quite got the... Fortunately, it never became a, a, a big problem. The, the police never came. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I was always curious... Like, what really is my legal responsibility if somebody, if somebody's that, an that adult, if somebody's an adult, and right. they decide to drink? Am I responsible for that? Right. 
So let's 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 go back a little bit. Uh, the the age of the draft mm -hmm. and the age to vote was twenty one. Yes, and it actually goes back to English common law. Since a person a person was officially adult at twenty one, that's when you could vote and become a knight. Mm -hmm. So twenty one was kind of what it means to be an adult. Yes. Then, but you could get drafted in the army at eighteen. Franklin Roosevelt changed that. Yeah. No, it was twenty-one. It was twenty-one for the army. See, I always yeah. thought it was twenty-one to vote, but you could get drafted in the army at eighteen. Well, uh, here I'm getting to that. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, at World War Two, right? That's when it. But that's when they lowered the age to eighteen. Oh. To draft. Then afterwards, people were like, "Wait a minute! I can go fight for the country, but I can't vote." Right. So then they lowered. They lowered voting. Mm -hmm. All the while, so 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 now it's now now basically being an adult as twenty one became an adult at eighteen. Then they then they turned around and decided to move the drinking age to twenty one, <laughs> which is nuts, right. right? So I say you're. Are you an adult or are you not an adult? Yes. If you want to do all three, I get. I'll do all three at twenty one. Sure. If you want this this idea of lowering the voting age to sixteen, it's ridiculous. It should be twenty one or twenty five. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you want, so we'll draft, we'll drink, and we'll vote at twenty one. But don't tell me you get to do two out of the three. Yeah. And the one that you don't get is is, is drinking. Yeah. It doesn't so, it doesn't make much sense. One of the things that bothered me most about that is, so, oh, hold on, I'll, I'll get into pigweed's compromise later. Okay, all right. We do have, we do have not, this problem. I'm right. I am not the kind of guy. What did you? What did we bring up in the beginning of the conversation about the, this comparison to Europe? I don't give a fat rat's ass. Don't tell me well. You know how they do the. We have a social problem here in America. You know how they do it in Switzerland. Why are we more like Switzerland? Uh, because we're not like Switzerland. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> so this argument of well, we're not like other. You know, we should be more like other countries. Don't 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 point to other countries for standards. We're an American. We set the standards. However, Young Crow Hill, mm -hmm. I'd like to look at the company that we keep. Right. I have this map here before us that shows the world, and it's color-coded according to its drinking age. Right. Uh, what I'm seeing mostly is the uh, is yellow, which says 18. Most of the world is yellow. There's just there's a smattering of, uh, of 15 to 17. Of, it's mostly in Europe. Basically, yep. all of Europe is 15 to 17. Spain, France, uh, Germany, 15 to 17. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. There's a big chunk over in India and China. They don't even have a drinking no age. No drinking you know? age. Nobody's right, got yeah. an ID anyway, so yeah. do you, what, do you, what do you care? Are you kidding? In China, they know everybody. <laughs> Facial recognition. Exactly. <laughs> Goes into your social credit score. Then there is this dark blue of 21 years and older. So like I said, I don't care what other people are doing, but there's a certain company I'd rather not keep. Can you give me the short list of everybody <laughs> in the world who has a drinking age of 21 age or older. Yeah, so these are not people that I would particularly want to, uh, want to imitate. We've got Indonesia, Kazakhstan, Oman, Pakistan, Palau, Sri Lanka, 
and the USA. Oh my goodness! Now, I mean, unless, that... unless, it, unless it was like the the seven countries with the greatest beaches. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Other what, than that, yeah. I don't well, want to be in their club. Why are we keeping company? And with what these is Palau? Palau, I don't even. Does know. Does any? Are you kidding me? Do they have a? Do they actually get a dip to vote at the UN? They get the same vote that the American I don't know. But Anyway, so we are we are out of sync with the rest so of the world. So out of sync in in this twenty one drinking age. Uh, it's, it's always it's always bothered me a little bit until this graphic came up. Now it's really bothering me. Hmm. See see so let's take let's take uh, three things: drinking age, driving age, voting age. Yeah. Okay. Now, personally, I would put. The drinking age at maybe 16, the driving age at 18, and the voting age at 21. <laughs> I like it. Right? Oh, well, drafting? Uh, well, dra drafting's a tough one. Yeah. I, I, 18 to 21. One, one, one or the other. Right. Um, but... I, my understanding that the average, the average soldier in World War II was like 26, and then in Vietnam it was like 19. Yeah. See, I, I think there, there's there's a pretty s big difference between an 18, 19 year old and a 25, 26 year old. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's it's horrible to think of it this way because I don't I don't want 18 year olds getting shot up or anything. But they're they're much but more you, resilient you and you, strong. You, it, but you can't put fighting after drinking. Mm. All right, so 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 I know I, I know I teased everybody with the pigweed compromise. Okay. So here it comes. Yeah. This is first off, I don't like it at all. What's going on here? But this is my exception. Certainly, you should be able to drink on base. Yeah. Right. Even if it's twenty-one everywhere else, when if you're on base, right at the base bar, how about how about this? A kid fights his way from from Kabul to Kandahar and back. Oh, it's a young man! You can't have beer. <laughs> I mean, the absurdity of it all—it it, it is ridiculously absurd. It is ridiculously absurd. The idea that that we can allow somebody at eighteen to take on hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, to get married with nobody's so permission, right, get a mortgage. Yeah, get, you can get a mortgage. You can get married with nobody's permission. You can buy a gun. You can you can do all these other crazy things, but you can't have a you've beer. Got, yeah, right. You've got a for two years. You've got a, you, you've got a two year old and that mortgage, and you're out to the grocery store buying diapers, and you can't pick up a six pack on the way home. What the <laughs> f? It doesn't make any sense at all. No. So now, of course, you you mentioned Mad. Yeah. And they said, and there are definite numbers about the decrease of uh, drunk driving related. Deaths and fatalities since the 80s. The mm -hmm. numbers have definitely dropped. However, this article also points out, also, there's been increased use in seatbelts, uh, widespread use of airbags and other safety improvements in cars, and just the, 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 the overall climate. The roads right? are better than they used to be. Yeah, and yeah. The, the consequences are harsher. You didn't hear this from me, but there were certain young men in the 80s who uh, couldn't, the idea of going on a road trip meant getting a cooler of beer yeah. for the drive. Right. Right. So uh, that's not going on anymore. No. The consequence, the, the cop is not pulling over the drunk and going, yeah, sir, I'm going to have to follow you home, make sure you get there. Okay. All <laughs> right. right. No, now, now they're writing you a $200. So there are a lot of other factors that are yeah. involved in this decrease in, um, yeah. in, in, in fatalities. So look, 
moms against drunks against mad mothers. Uh, is that the right? Is that, is that, is that how that no, goes? That's, 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 that's the other way. Yeah, right. Yes. Uh, you know, you don't get all the credit here, and you can just incrementally do this well. If it saves this many lives at 21, think if you did 22. How about 26? <laughs> right now, you're now you're a prohibition. If you want to you want to eliminate all drunk driving? Right. Now we're a prohibition again. Yeah. So, and and we're not in favor of drunk driving, and we want to crack down on the no, drunk I driving. No, I think, but I, I but, yes, but yes, I mean, by all means, let's have restrictions on drunk driving, but. Trying to uh, say that just push it from 18 to 21, it's just not right because there are, there are so many other things involved. You can't, now, go ahead. You, 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 can't, you can't be telling kids you can go fight and die for your country and you can't have a beer. It just doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know if you remember this because I, I do, uh, when I read this article, I was like, that's right, I remember. This is 2008. The, uh, a group of college presidents... Mm -hmm. Asked to reconsider the national drinking right, age. Right, because that's the time. Okay, you have a bunch of kids. They're 18. They're not kids. They're, they're adults. They're 18 years old on your campus. Isn't that a good place for them to learn how to... To go down to the local pub and sit with a couple of... You, you know, you can have a study session at the pub right. and just be adults about it instead of sneaking off with a bunch of the cheapest booze you can get. So right. I think binge drinking... It's clandestine binge drinking yes. is a bigger problem and than also, just treating them as adults. And if, if you don't let 18-year-olds buy beer, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to say, well, beer is just as illegal yes. as pot, so if you're as gonna crack, get, if you're gonna as be able to whatever. Get some, or, or, or hard alcohol, even. Yeah, exactly. Right? So you, you could... I've forgotten that. Didn't we have... We had 1821 when we were kids. We had 1821. Yeah. Beer and wine was 18. 21 was liquor. Yeah. Perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Why not that? So, yes. So, even college presidents had their own time in the sun go... So, this is, this is, this is not the booze industry. These are college presidents going, you're not really helping here. Right. You're just... You're, you're creating a crime where there shouldn't be a crime. Right. So... Right. So uh, hold on. So, uh, but I have one one last thought. Okay. So remember, we talked not re not long ago about helmet laws. Yes. So when Maryland was not a helmet state, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania was. Maryland became a helmet state, and not long after that, Pennsylvania flipped. I don't know where they got the momentum, right? To someone, what the argument would be, except for on a libertarian standpoint. There's so many, so many laws and things that you know. Once the government gets their clutches in, yeah. you just can't get it undone. Well, well, somehow they, they they did in that sense. Is it possible to get this undone? Well, okay. So I remember a lot of debates, a lot of the helmet debate things, um, and I remember some people saying that you're actually safer without a helmet because you have better visibility. Um, huh? So, so I don't, I don't, I don't really know what the you, stats you, you're, are. You're hearing. Yeah, you hear you hear better, you hear better, you see better. Now, so I I don't really know how that plays out. You know, in terms of whether you're better off. I'd love off to hear the the Pennsylvania number, the Pennsylvania helmet numbers were for whatever that span of time was, and then equal number of time post. Right. Yeah. Does it even matter? And then well, now I I honestly so, thought I honestly thought about suing the state of Maryland when my first child turned 18 
because I couldn't go out and have a beer with them. That would be your standing. I was, I was, yeah, I was thinking, why, why can't you know, why can't he have it? But it's it just like, uh, who wants to do that? It's so much. <laughs> but, but it would be nice if somebody started fighting against this. If somebody started saying, no, yeah. it's not right. I, I think to, I just it just seems to me we've already outlined the 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 logic here. Yeah. The the. Are you an adult or, or are you not an adult? You yeah. make everything's 21 or everything's 18. Yeah. I, I don't get, I, it seems pretty solid. It, it does. It, even with, you know, mad moms. Yes. Yes. I would like, I would like to see if they're going to raise any age, I would like to see, see them raise the driving age because <laughs> I see these uh, children driving cars. So this, this week of me. children... So these co college kids who are not allowed to drink, mm -hmm. who are adults, if they get into serious trouble, they won't contact the parents because they're adults. Exactly. But wait a minute. The adults who are paying for everything that's going on there. Yeah. Are, I want to know what he's doing there, what he's doing with my $30,000. Mm -hmm. But they don't because they're adults and they're allowed to have abortions and everything else, but they can't get beers. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Do we ha do we have a man of the week? I think I have a man of the week. I uh, yeah. Here's this guy caught on camera in a good way. Officer Garcia at an In and Out Burger. I hear the best things about the In and Out Burger. I don't think I've ever it? had an In and Out Burger. No, it's a West Coast thing. Okay. Yeah. The next time we get out there, Mountain View Police Department. Uh, Officer Garcia was in the parking lot across the street. From from In and Out, when somebody screamed, "A baby is choking," <laughs> and he ran over. Look, there's there's even a picture of him. Yeah, he jumped in, and it seems to me there's a particular uh, that baby so, baby CPR. I, yeah, I took CPR. Right. And so they they give you different rules for adults and. For, I mean, you can't do two kids. hands and exactly. Lean yeah, down yeah. on yes, there are, di there are different rules. Like and a I'm two sure, finger compression. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that the cops get that kind of training yeah, yeah. on the regular and that's just fantastic. I mean this is just another thing uh, yeah. about every well, another cops thing about do cops. all day every day. Exactly. This is stuff that they do all the time. They're trained for this, they're ready for it. They're out there helping in all these different ways and here we have all these idiots saying, you know, trying the, to defund life, the we, Yes, we'd all be better off with fewer cops. Yeah, good. But hopefully what if that was your baby? Would you be happy that there's fewer exactly. cops that day? Yeah. I want the cops around. I want them around all, all the time. day. Yeah. Anyway, um, what are we gonna do here? Cheers to. Cheers to the cops. Cheers to the cops. Cheers to beers. <laughs> all right. If you like beer and conversation with Pigweed and Crow Hill, please like it, share it, give us a good review, post it to Facebook, all that good stuff. Thank you so much.